Welcome to another episode of Ed's Up, sponsored by the Southern Early Childhood Association. Ed's Up is a podcast all about children and those that care for them. Hosted by Dr. Melody Musgrove and Dr. Kathy Grace with the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. Today, we are very fortunate to have with us Lucy Rassio, who is a Senior Public Policy and Advocacy Analyst for the National Association for the Education of Young Children. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we are very interested in one of your primary projects, and that is the 2020 census. And so uh, I would like to ask you a couple of questions about that so that we can participate as best as we can and encourage others to take part in what is a very important initiative. First of all, tell me what brought you uh, to be interested in the census and take this on as it relates to your work with young children. Absolutely, and I'm so glad that you're opening up the space for us to talk about this further. We know that early childhood educators and the early childhood community has such an important role to play in the 2020 census and specifically the undercount of young children. I will share that I have been very passionate about the census of for quite some time now. Uh, It actually stems with a bit of a a nerd moment while I was pursuing my master's degree and a project that I had that really challenged us to look at census data to provide a comprehensive view of supports that would be necessary in communities across the country. And ever since then, I have really been focused and keen on just the value of census data to inform policy discussions and also advocacy opportunities. In 2017, a group of national organizations, of which NACI is one of them, came together and we were briefed by a demographer who was with the Census Bureau, Bill O'Hare, who spent uh, the bulk of his career really emphasizing the fact that young children have been historically missed in the census, and that over the last 40 years, this trend has increased. And so in lead up to 2020, he and a couple of other organizations really wanted to coordinate an effort to ensure that young children were counted and that the community really understood what is at stake whenever young children are not counted. Considering the vast reach that NACI has, through our accredited programs, through our affiliate networks, and also through our 60,000 plus members, we thought it was very important for us to be part of that conversation and to be able to do as much as possible to just lift us up as a concern, as well as identify different opportunities for individuals to be able to weigh in and also be able to address this. And so it seems very natural to be, you know, to form part of my work, especially because I lead so many of our advocacy efforts and also oversee our America for Early Ed campaign, which is NACI's advocacy mobilization hub, to just integrate that work into the larger efforts that NACI is leading and has been leading since 2017, and in particular now in 2020, knowing that the census is currently underway. Well, I know that in the information that I've just reviewed, that there seems to be different parts of the country or even within states that have responded more positively to the census than other parts of the country or other parts of states. Is that an accurate assessment? And what could be some reasons for that? 
Absolutely. It is very accurate. And one of the things particularly that I think for your audience and also just because of your location, we have seen a historic undercount of young children in the South. Um, we think that part of that has to do with the rural nature of the Southern states. We know that it is imperative for families to count young children. And one of the things that we have seen is that it's not just that families are not completing the census, which is definitely a problem, but that there are families that have historically completed the census and have omitted young children as well as babies. And so we have really been focused on ensuring that families understand the value of that. Again, in thinking about certain demographics and certain geographical locations across the country, since the census is underway and responses have been coming in, the Census Bureau is tracking the response rate, but still we are seeing a large concentration of non-responses from southern states, from some of the major cities across the country, and from communities that have historically displayed low turnout when it comes to answering and uh, filling the census. Well, I know that some of the individuals in the past in my discussions didn't realize that this was tied to funding that states received for young children. Are there some specific programs that do depend on an accurate census count as far as the funds that go to states? Absolutely. And that really has been a key message that we, uh, both at NACI, but also as part of this larger coalition, which is the Count All Kids Committee, that really we have been pushing um, in our advocacy efforts around the 2020 census. The fact that there is over $800 billion a year that is at stake uh, whenever there is an undercount of young children. And what I think many individuals did not know, and part of it is because this has not been disseminated as widely as it should, is that many programs, WIC program, Head Start, uh, even funding for child care through the Child Care and Development Block Grant, CCDBG, is reliant on census data. So even if a child is born and we have birth records, we still use census data, Congress still uses census data to be able to allocate the funding into those programs. And so because we have access to birth records, for example, and we also have access to census data, we are able to see where the disparity lies in terms of the children that are not counted. Um, but one thing that we have seen as we have conducted our field testing and as we have engaged more and more individuals in these efforts is that talking about what's at stake and the resources that will not be made available to young children really is, is very important. I think also beyond the fact that you have these $800 billion that are at stake, it's the fact that the census happens only once every 10 years. And so if you do not count or include your child in your census response, by the time the next census comes around, most of their childhood will have already passed. And so many of the supports that they will need during that time will not be appropriately funded because they have not been counted. And we know that, again, this impacts everything from uh, WIC programs to child care subsidies, to investments in public schools, public transportation, low-income housing, 
and a number of other programs that, again, rely specifically on census data to be able to allocate funding once Congress comes around and uh, determines budgets. Well, one of the things that I guess we're going to have to mention, because it is certainly going to be, I would think, an issue that no one knew about when the census campaigns were planned, and that is how do you think the pandemic is going to affect data collection and what can we do to combat this potential fallout? That has been a very big concern uh, as we meet and come together as part of the Count All Kids Committee. And I know that the Census Bureau also has been very mindful of this, particularly as they think about many of the stay-at-home orders and the quarantine that has had to happen as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. And so many plans underway to do in-person engagements over uh, the course of the spring, some of that has shifted. And part of that has now turned into a lot of virtual engagement. There have been significant pushes, including an upcoming push um, on May 1st around census data and really encouraging families as they are home to take 10 minutes, which is roughly how long it takes to complete the census, to take 10 minutes to complete the census either online by phone or by mail, and really encouraging individuals to share whether they have completed the census and to just build out this virtual community. Simultaneously, we have been partnering with a number of different organizations, whether it be food banks or diaper banks, for example, to make sure that they are receiving the message around the importance of completing the census. So there still is a mixture of in-person and virtual events, um, but we really are encouraging families to understand the ease of completing the census, to understand what's at stake, and to really just be ambassadors to share with others within their community of how important this is. We know that there may be a bit of fear to disclose information. However, the information that is shared on the census is confidential and there are significant penalties if that confidentiality is violated. And so it is a safe and deeply important process that our communities have to be a part of. And again, it does not matter whether you are a permanent resident, if you are a citizen, your citizenship status, this is really trying to get as accurate accounts of everyone that resides in the country as possible. And so again, while we know that there have been significant challenges presented because of the coronavirus, there have been multiple efforts still underway for those, with those in partnership with those institutions that are still serving families and communities and also thinking about how we can capitalize on the opportunities of doing virtual engagement to be able to ensure that families and young children and babies in particular are counted. I don't know if you know the answer to this or not, but will there be any extension of the completion deadline given all of these new developments? Will we have a longer period? Uh, I'm just thinking about individuals who are in households that do not have any kind of internet or broadband connection to be able to have this kind of information passed along. 
So there have been, the Census Bureau has made operational adjustments because of COVID-19, and they do have all that information. If folks go to 2020census.gov, there is an expanded timeline in terms of now the ability, uh, the, the timeline that the Census Bureau has uh, adjusted to make sure that families have opportunities to be able to complete the census. And so that timeline has impacted when individuals can expect to receive a enumerator at their door, for example, if they have not completed the census. But those efforts have now extended through summer. Um, and while we know that it's important and that there will be now more time for individuals to complete the census, we are encouraging folks to complete it as soon as possible because that really gives us a more comprehensive view of where targeted efforts may be necessary for things like more rural communities, more isolated communities, or communities that have a deeper need for that kind of in-person touch point. And so, again, think taking in mind the fact that there is a significant threat with the coronavirus for families and for communities and for members across the country, individuals across the country, to just capitalize on the fact of being able to do this, again, either virtually over the phone or by mail, so that that way it limits the need of uh, census enumerators to have to come to individual homes to ensure that the census is being completed. But again, that will happen, and that effort, that timeline, has now been extended through the summer, um, again, taking into account the fact that a lot of the efforts that were originally planned had to be paused to try and flatten the curve around the coronavirus. Well, this has certainly been very beneficial, and I know for me to have been able to talk with you, and hopefully people who are listening to this conversation will get the importance based on the funding that will come. And you made a very good point about children who will age out uh, that would benefit from services right now. By the time we do this again, they will be past the age of services for young children, and so it's really about the here and now uh, and the importance of all individuals in this country to complete the, the forms. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us or, or mention to us? No, absolutely. And I think uh, one of the things that I will share is particularly for folks now who are at home with young children, um, as part of the Count All Kids Committee, we have been able to partner with the Census Bureau and a number of other partners, including Nickelodeon and Sesame Street, who have developed tools for young children to be part of the census process by understanding what it is, by understanding why it matters, why it matters to be counted. And so I encourage individuals, even if you have already completed the census, to take some time and look through countallkids.org for young children to be able to learn more about the census, for families to have conversations around the importance of the census. And these materials range from videos that are available to coloring books and pages that we have for young children to be able to better understand and for families to engage your children around these conversations. And then there are also resources available for providers and for agencies to be able to disseminate the importance of completing the census 
with their audiences. Social media tiles that can be used uh, for posts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, um, to blogs that we are continuously publishing that really talk about all of this. And then we also have additional information uh, on americaforearlyed.org slash census that also highlights a little bit more about what is at stake, what are some opportunities for individuals to get involved and make sure that young children and babies are counted, and also an opportunity for individuals to take a pledge uh, to to complete their 2020 census. So there's a lot of information available. There are a lot of resources. Ultimately, the goal is really to ensure that we have uh, during this census, during the 2020 census, that all children are counted and that we no longer have that 2.1 million children that have been historically undercounted. Um, And I know that there are significant efforts underway and we could not do this without the partnership of so many organizations and the Census Bureau, but it really is important that individuals take 10 minutes to uh, make sure that communities have the resources they need for the next 10 years. It certainly sounds like there are a lot of resources that anyone could engage in, as you say, teaching their children about some things related to the census, doing math lessons, and then also Mm -hmm. for adults. So we thank you for giving us all of those resources. Could you just say one more time the main website so we can make sure people get that one? So most of the resources have been housed in the Count All Kids Committee website, which is countallkids.org. And from there, able to access most of the resources that I have shared and uh, a lot of the tools that I have already uh, highlighted. Well, thank you again so much for taking time from your busy schedule. And as we move through uh, the next few months, which I'm sure will be... uh, stressful and at the same time as I have seen people have come together in very creative ways and it has reaffirmed my belief in the hope of this country and the hope of this country through young children particularly so I hope that this will create an opportunity for even more people to get the census completed since they are at home and since we now can see the value behind having a strong infrastructure for not only our children but for the entire country. So Lucy, thank you so much again for your time. I may visit with you again in a few months so you can give us an update on how things are going. Thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for this space for us to have this conversation and to share out what's at stake, why this is so important and valuable, and why it's necessary for us to continue uh, working collectively on behalf of the well-being of young children. So thank you so much for having me. So, all right, we're going to close out with the lit bit, which is uh, the literature bit by the famous and late Shel Silverstein, Hug a War. I will not play at Tug of War, I'd rather play at Hug a War, where everyone hugs instead of tugs, where everyone giggles and rolls on the rug, where everyone kisses and everyone grins, and everyone cuddles and everyone wins. A sweet poem by Shel Silverstein from FamilyFriendPoems.com. Thank you for joining us today for Ed's Up. We're always interested in stories about children and those who care for them. If you'd like to share your story, email us at edsup at oldmiss.edu. Until next time, bye-bye. 
Heads Up is a production of the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. The views and opinions of podcast participants are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the university, its employees, or any affiliated entity.